0: Yeah, really well. It was just yeah. it, what I've learned today is that we've passed the era where something like the Queen's funeral means anything in the 21st century. It was like a 20th century pageant.
1: It was, it was strange, wasn't it? Really uh, yeah. weird. Really, 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 really strange. I kept looking at all the, uh, all the uniforms and all the um, sort of gold and embroidery and thinking that, that same kind of thing, you know, that somebody somewhere thinks this means something. And I, I couldn't quite figure out what it did mean, if anything.
0: Mm. It, just, it was the the meaningness made it mean uh. something. We had the queue down here. Uh. And I think it, what it was, it was Britain reminding people that we existed in a world where our empire has fallen.
1: Yes, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that a little bit, and I, I teach modern history. Oh, of course. When you think about Elizabeth's reign and the start of it, and we and she had the empire, with the exception of India, and you know, twenty, thirty years later, we haven't. It explains why she makes a big deal of the Commonwealth. I give, I, I give that, but it, it's a very different world now than what it was when she uh, when she began. That's for sure.
0: It, it's well, especially because um, thirty-five years ago, Sheffield Wednesday were in the top division, and now. <laughs> So, yes, I will leave all of that in, if you don't mind, as a segue. uh, Your first book was Our Lowest Ebb, so From the Ridiculous to the Sublime, uh, which is back in the big time. Sheffield Wednesday's Return to Division One, 1984 to 1986. We'll explore the concept of big time. I think since we last spoke, Sheffield Wednesday have fallen into the third tier. You're currently uh, near the top of it. Five yep. wins from the first nine games. Yep. Um, have you been impressed with the opening of the season? Uh,
1: I've uh, reasonably. They 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 have turned over some of the perhaps lower teams. We beat, we beat Forest Green five five nil at home. Less so against some of the the more the more tricky uh, teams who might be challenging at the uh, at the top. Um, you'd expect they've they've put a, what ought to be a really fantastic squad together. So you'd expect really that they you ought to be com- competing somewhere in the for the top two places. Um, I'm not quite sure if fourth, fifth, or wherever we are at the minute. We'll, we'll cut it when it gets to the end of the season. Uh, but it's been a tricky start. So if they, if they keep turning over the uh, the, the smaller teams, if you want to a better word, and gaining points against it, which we might be somewhere there of that
0: Are you going to lose anyone during the winter
1: break? Um, I don't think so. Our owner does not like selling players that he doesn't want to sell. Oh, um, I mean for
0: the World Cup.
1: No, I don't think
0: so. No, no, I don't think something will be up okay. Fantastic. Sorry if you heard flipping. I was desperately trying to flick back mm-hmm. through the football library listings, which is kept on reception. You were the thirteenth visitor back in June of 2020. So it has really been a while. Uh, you've now had two full academic years since you last came into the football library. Yeah. Um, so you're now teaching back in person, I imagine. Yes, we are.
1: Yeah.
0: Has it ruined the children?
1: Um uh, ruined no, but made made their life more difficult. Yes. They, they, I think it will take, oh, I don't know, another three, four, five years, maybe longer before the the students are over the kind of after effects of, yeah. uh, of Covid.
0: But they are living through history. I mean, this oh, is yeah. within the same month. We've got a new prime minister, same as the old one, but just in a new model <laughs> yeah. um, and a, a new monarch, King Charles III. Do you know those rulers? Have you got one of those rulers with all the kings and queens on it?
1: Funnily enough, I have, yes. Yeah,
0: they left a yeah. gap at the bottom, so <laughs> yeah. people okay. could write in Charles yeah. III. And, and I, slim on them. Yeah, okay. I think I must mm. have had that ruler about 20 years, but we are now in the Carolian era. Um,
1: yes, yes, I read know? that. I don't know if that, if that word will take on, because I'm not even sure I've been repeated back to you. Was it Carolian, mm. Carolian?
0: Yeah, Carolian, because Carol mm. is the, the closest to Charles that mm. we've got, but we're post-Elizabethan. Mm. Um, is what we're, we're describing it as, or as we call it now, the era of the petrochemical football club no, okay. owner. As someone whose football club should never be owned by an Emirate state or a Russian oligarch or an American billionaire of non-footballing persuasion, because Milan Mandrich was a football man. He was, true, um, yeah. As we talked about over two years ago in the football mm. library. Um, are you completely cut off from the top tier. I mean, your manager is called Dave. That's how cut off you are as a football club.
1: <laughs> he gets he gets he gets nicknamed doesn't yeah. he? Um, I I think we'll be back in the championship. I, I, I think that will happen this season or next season at the uh, at the latest, and then and then we'll see. Uh, our owner he, he has been very ambitious. We we got. Very close to the Premier League in 2016, lost in the uh, lost in the playoff final. Uh, and then it, it all fell to pieces in the uh, in the years after uh, in the years after that. Uh, he seems he to have learnt a few lessons. He, he, he spent an absolute fortune on on some players who didn't uh, in, didn't entirely perform. I seem to remember talking about Almanabdi last time we were last time we were chatting with each other. From, the um, much from, from, the kind of us, know,
0: from yeah.
1: Yeah, Watford loved him, and then he he turned up he turned up, uh, he turned up and played ten games in four years, and mysterious injuries of all evolved. Yeah, we we um, sold you a
0: lemon, sorry. I think,
1: yeah, I think I think he possibly did, or he, he turned he turned to lemon once, once he came north. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, we seem to learn the lesson about that kind of thing, spending absolute fortune on on players, and and the what the ones he, he's brought in now are you know free transfers, a bit younger, um, a bit more hungry. So if you get those guys up into the championship, um, then then perhaps uh, we'll have another go at it. But it's, it's a long way, isn't it, from fourth in League One to somewhere mid-table in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, well, but it's because everything's regressing to the mean. If you get, as oh. Watford have got, £150 million for failing, um, uh. and we, we sold two or three of our top players, but uh. it's interesting to note that Udinese, as we speak on the 19th of September, are doing brilliantly, and half the Udinese team have been through Watford yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and Watford are going back to we, we started on uh, against Sunderland uh, yeah. with Courtney Hawes at the back Keenan Davis up front Watford owned their registration but they're on loan from Aston Villa Aston uh-huh. Villa wanted Saar so that could yeah. have, those, they could have been make-weights anyway. Sar could still go over there. What is Myla Saris doing playing in the Championship? Heaven only knows. No, there, no. Are, there are players at Sheffield Wednesday now who should not be playing in the third tier. Not least Barry Bannon, who's the captain and started centre midfield for Sheffield Wednesday last week. He seems to have done what Wayne Rooney and Paul Scholes did before him and he's become a quarterback.
1: He, yes, I think Darren Moore's actually found found his uh, his position in a little way. He he did often play that that kind of quarterback. Picking the ball up in front of the back four and pinging passes about. Uh Moore's moved him a little bit more forward at one time or another, where he, where he can be, um, it can be a bit more, um, a bit more effective. I think he got nine or ten goals last season, which is probably a record for him. Two or three goals a season, man, uh, previous to that. Uh, but you're quite right. He did. He didn't talk to be in the championship, and I, I don't know how much we paying him. But he, um, but he he said something on the lines after relegation that it was a travesty and he was going to stay and get uh, and get Wednesday back up. So mm. we'll see if this is his second season at it. They can't do it single-handedly. They gave it a good, good go last season. but I, th- I think Darren Moore's got a building around him and put some other, put, 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 um, other midfielders in, in place as well that might just uh, might just make the difference.
0: Watford connection, Georgie Byers scored last weekend. Lovely to see him. Came through at Watford, much promise, oh. uh, and just oh. didn't have a pathway. So we shipped oh. him out, I think, to Swansea. I don't know if you signed him from Swansea or from somewhere else.
1: We got him from Swansea, mm. and uh, I think he's my new man crush. He's he's a very he's a very handsome chap, and um, he's also very he's also very talented. Never never wastes a ball. Every pass, it might they might be five yards, seven yards, eight yards, whatever. But he very very rarely misplaces a pass. You get, you get stuck in, scores the odd goal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan.
0: I will yeah, I'll keep tabs on him because again, if you right. unfortunately if you're in the third tier and you do any good, you're going to be snapped up. Um, although a lot Sunderland have kept hold of some of their players from the promotion. But what I was, as, as we were talking there, we're considering this book back in the big time. Sheffield Wednesday's return to Division 1, 1984-86. John Dyson is the author, uh, an owl who was writing about happier days uh, than the lowest ebb. But there, is, there was not much further for Watford to fall in 1977 than dead last when Elton John took over control of the club and appointed Graham Taylor. So it takes the bottom... To rise to the top. And we talked about the low ebbs yeah. Yeah. of the 19, the late 1970s. Yeah. Uh, and then glory happened. But I wanted to focus before we talk about those two seasons about which you write on the word big time, because big time in 1984, five, six was yeah. not fun.
1: No and that, and that, and that's one of the themes of the book you know fo- football was in a state in the in the mid 80s you know hooliganism disasters falling crowds but football football was in a, was in a terrible state in, in a lot of in a lot of ways so it, there might be a little bit of irony in that in that title Yeah
0: yeah I'm glad I spotted that because of course the the big teams were yeah. getting to the fact Liverpool did get to the final of the European Cup in 1985 yeah. we know what happened um, yeah. But there were the the teams like Sheffield Wednesday, um, who were not make weights in the division, and was that because of the coach?
1: Yeah, Howard, Howard Wilkinson was the uh, was the coach and manager, and uh, yeah, another big theme of the book is the different teammate. He, he was uh, he, he was outstanding. We had, we had Jack Charlton um, who brought us back from the lowest end, effectively, and got and got the team promoted into Division Two. Goes to an FA Cup semi final, but never quite. Uh, got the team promoted back into Division One. Um, Wilkinson took over uh, before, just before the 83-84 season. Didn't have a lot of time to kind of do pre-season training and that thing, uh, but got the team promoted that that year. E- effectively, um, they were promoted by March time. They uh, almost almost walked the league, and then carried on that success in the in the two years afterwards. Each other to the, the two covered by the book. Yeah, and,
0: and Howard Wilkinson's management. Um, it, he went to Leeds and we'll get to that later. Yeah. Oh, admittedly, sorry. But yes. um, yeah. he, he was he the sergeant um, is an easy way to say it, but he could just manage the dressing room.
1: It well. he, he, he was all sorts. He had, he had, he, he was a, he was, his tactics were were spot on. I think for the um for the for the players that he had, uh, he was good on diet and he was good on, um, as you say, man management and, and psychology. He was he was a kind of a modern manager, perhaps. I don't know, fifteen, even twenty years before his uh, before his time. Uh, so he was ahead of the game, um, and, and had a good team. Had a good team of people surrounding, other team of coaches and support staff surrounding. Him. So all, all those things helped. I think.
0: Like, like uh, who? The- Which coaches?
1: Uh, Coaches—he had, he had a small team. Peter Eustace was his assistant. Uh, Came—it came, was a former Wednesday player, but came from Sunderland where he'd been where he'd been coaching. Uh, a chap called Michael Hennigan, who ended up assisting him at, um, at Leeds United later on. Uh, Alan Smith was the physio, who was the um, who later on became the England uh, physio. Um, so a, a small but very, very, um, say, good, very, very talented team of, uh, of supporters.
0: And who was the? Person who ran the dressing room as a player. Who was his captain?
1: My my lines for the first season and a half, or a season a bit of my uh, of, of the of the two company, my book. Uh, former Everton captain um, Wilkinson got him in uh, before the promotion season 83-84, and he, he was the he was the main man.
0: I'm just uh, looking at some of the results. You did get flattened by Tottenham and flattened by Everton. <laughs> so were yeah. there in the top tier at that time? Because only two or three teams got into Europe a year. Was there one first division? Could anyone, apart from Liverpool, who would win it over and over again? Could anyone win it?
1: Wednesday would have qualified for Europe in 85-86 in fifth place, uh, but that was something to do with who won the Cups that that, that particular season. Um, um, and of course, the ban following what you mentioned with uh, Liverpool and Arsenal there meant it, meant it didn't happen anyway. Um, but yeah, there was possibility. I'm just looking at the league table. West Ham finished third in 1985-86. Uh, Southampton finished fifth the season before, I think you? You know, you have, you have teams that were, were competing in the top end that perhaps you don't quite see so much in the Premier League yet.
0: Because money, I think eighty four was the season. You might, I might be wrong when yeah. the gate receipts started not to be split. And so the people with the bigger grounds yeah, started yeah. to earn loads yeah. of money. So there was this particular rule that was <clears> quashed and then Spurs got to float on the stock exchange and football became more commercial yeah. and it's yeah. changed until today. Yeah. Um, but it seemed that in that era, not just Brian Clough, but a lot of managers in at Premier League, at first division level, Uh-oh. could... Build a great team, Bobby Robson, not least.
1: Yeah, Luton Town and David Pleat was the one that stood out on the league table in 5'86, finishing ninth. Uh, so no, I, don't, I don't think it's impossible at all for, or was impossible at all, for teams of that ilk in that era to, to challenge in the top half of the first
0: division. Yeah, and it's no surprise that it was the top five clubs um. uh, Liverpool, Everton, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs, um. who split. Uh, in the late 1980s, it, do you think that was purely because of money, or do you think they were just annoyed to see clubs like Wimbledon win trophies? Um, I think to do with to do with money.
1: If I'm perfectly honest, if, um, I've, I've been helping out a chap called Dick Chester, who was um, uh, Wednesday's club secretary in the mid, in the mid 80s, um, with, with his book. Uh, and he tells a story in there of how ver- various clubs were in were in discussion for a effectively a European Super League in, um, in the late eighties. They, um, they didn't it didn't come to fruition, but the, the work went to, went a long way further than you might you might imagine. Um, and that I think was to do was to do with money and status and keep and keeping um, the position of, of various clubs, uh, and perhaps I suppose a little bit of yeah keeping keeping Wimbledon out. Yeah.
0: We're going to have to pause on Dick Chester, because I was looking, uh, actually it was on myfootballbooks.com, looking at oh. the October titles, and oh. I missed this entirely, Dick Chester, and oh. the, the proviso of the book, the, the bump of the book is, it's the people behind the scenes that you don't see who are the most important, so I had no idea you were involved. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, Dick was the secretary in the, uh, in the time period that uh, I'd been looking at, and... Uh... In in some conversations, I was put on to him by, by a local journalist, and in, in some conversations, Dick was had Dick uh, got some thoughts together towards his book, and uh, I've just helped him out a little bit, you know, structure it and organising it and making sure it, it reads effectively. But, but it's, a fac- it's a fascinating read.
0: Well, I, I hope so, because um, Watford had the club secretary, Ron Rollett, and he was uh. one of the senior figures. I think uh. it was the, the club secretary, the treasurer... And the chairman, huh. as, in, as in any club, whereas yeah. now there are 200, 300, 400 members of staff oh, yeah. at these elite clubs yeah. Yeah. and yeah. fingers everywhere. Hillsborough was a big ground, they would famously have the um, FA Cup semi finals, although mm. not the 1986 FA Cup semi final uh, between Everton and Sheffield Wednesday, which annoyingly Everton oh. won. Were you at that game? <laughs> Yeah. Where was it? Was it Villa Park?
1: Villa, Villa Park, yeah. it was. Yeah, Mo- moved from Old Trafford, funnily enough, because the, the local police in Old Trafford didn't fancy um, having Liverpool and Everton fans uh, uh... On, their, on their doorstep. So <laughs> it was it was a bit of a bone fight to get uh, to get tickets, as I uh, as I understand. From Villa Park was smaller than uh, Old Trafford was at the time. It was a very I remember it being a, a really really full um, terrace, and we, we shifted somewhere right down the front, out the way of. Uh, all the kind of pushing and shoving, but it was uh, yeah, very, very full full ground like that.
0: But there was no danger. The Birmingham police were on top of everything.
1: Yeah, I don't remember feeling scared. Okay. I just remember I just remember it feeling busy, yeah, I don't remember feeling scared at or... all.
0: Do you think you could have beaten Liverpool in the cup final? Um yes. We've beat we've beaten them in the
1: in these couple of years. One of one of the big games of the uh, of the couple of years of my period was, was early back in eight four eighty five where we beat um September time and we beat uh, Liverpool at Anfield two nil. So it, it, it would have been possible. Uh, we drew at Anfield in eight, early eighty six as well. Um, so yeah, it would have been would have been possible. Wow.
0: So how how did Howard Wilkinson set up eighty five eighty six? Would have been Doug mm. um, Yes, it would have been.
1: Them, would yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
0: he must have used his nouse to nullify uh, Liverpool. Yeah,
1: there was a nil nil draw actually around that time as well. Um, he. he, he Wilkinson used the players he got. He had three centre backs. Was his was his standard um, opening opening um, gambit in, mo- in most games, um, which can go either way. You? You, can play, you can play three centre backs in a kind of attacking manner. We had Mel Sterland as right back, for example, who bomb up and down the wing, or you can play play in a much more defensive way. So he would have figured out Liverpool's uh, strengths and weaknesses and played uh, and played accordingly. Yeah, great
0: management and. Um. Uh, Liverpool are beatable now, as we find. You just have to catch them on a bad day. But yeah. in, the, in the 35 years since, Liverpool mm. have stayed in the division the whole time. Right. Sheffield Wednesday have bounced up and down. They yeah. were back in the big time in 1984, right. 85, 86. It was turn to Division 1. Um, do you remember some particularly brilliant days in those seasons? Oh,
1: lot, lots of them, yeah. I mean That, that season, 84, 85. Was the um, was the first season back in Division One? So any, any since 1970. So, so any fans who've been around for you know, 15 or 20 years previously were, 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 were delighted. The first game back was a big one. They were playing. They played Nottingham Forest um, in, in August 1984. Um, and of course, this is the time of the miners' strike. Um, yeah. South South Yorkshire miners tended to be out on strike, some in Nottinghamshire had gone back. So there's a big kind of uh, uh, rivalry, I suppose, and a bit of um, antipathy about that. Also in the Nottingham Forest team is, uh, is the guy Ian Bower, who'd scored two goals uh, for Manchester City to send Wednesday down in 1970. So there's there's, a, there's some good stories going on. And Wednesday won 3-1 on an absolutely roasting hot uh, August day. Um, went to goal up, came back to one all scored two more goals in the second half. Including one of the best ones I've ever seen by Imiriveradi, who ran from inside his own half, um, ran all the way to the edge of the forest area and led the into the top corner. Um, so that that one in particular, the first one back, an absolute an absolutely yeah. stunning, stunning day. Beating Liverpool, beating Manchester United, they beat Manchester United all four occasions in those two in those across those two seasons, yeah. um, including the first time Manchester United had been beaten uh, under Ron Atkinson, and eight five, eighty six, and the right way around. I think they got on a on a bit of an unre- unbeaten run at the start, and the, the first defeat they they had was at Hillsborough. So yeah, lots and lots of you know big big games and big uh, and big victories at times. But
0: I don't think we discussed Imre Varadi in our no. last chat. He's someone I know by name and because no. he was on Match of the Day highlights of that yep. era. What did he do for first the team and secondly the club? as a whole.
1: Uh helped us get promoted in eighty three, eighty four. That is, that is for sure. He Im was was a live wire I suppose. He, he he was um maybe five nine, five ten, but quick, very, very skillful on the floor, but also with a with a powerful shot and a and a decent leap and a decent and a decent header. Um he he did two seasons at that stage at He did the promotion season 83-84 and then the following season of 84 uh, of eighty four, eighty five. And alongside him and Lee Chapman, it would be uh, in that season back in in Division One. So kind of not quite little and large, but Lee, Lee Chapman was a was a big um, header, big big guy, good header of the ball. Um, Imray would feed a little bit off those off those headers, and be the be the guy picking up picking up the scraps a little bit. Uh, and the and the pair of them scored uh, scored goals galore. So very very good. Uh, but he turned out, unfortunately for Wednesday fans, I suppose he turned Imray. That is turned down a new contract at the end of that season. Went off to uh, went off to really Imray. That is didn't take off much further after that West Brom were relegated, and, and Imray went on a bit of a journeyman career after that. Um, mm. back to Hillsborough in eighty eight or eighty nine for a short while. But did turn up? Did turn up at Leeds in uh, in Howard Wilkinson's attempt to get Leeds promoted before he got the uh, before he got the first division Championship. So. Yes, the, back-to-back
0: yeah. Yeah, the, back-to-back. the, back-to-back. the back to back wins in two divisions. Yeah. Lee, Lee Chapman was kind of a teacher's pet. He was what oh. Paddy Kenny was to Neil Warnock. <laughs> how did yeah. Lee? How did Sheffield Wednesday fans react when Lee Chapman scored all the goals that helped Leeds win the first division title in '91-2? Oh,
1: painful. He scored a hat trick at Hillsbury, you know, in a in a six I think six one win for Leeds at Hillsborough in that uh, in the se- oh, the season before, one one or the other. It wasn't just Chapman, he had Mel Sterland, he had Imre, he had um, he had he had Carl Schutt, um he, he took some of his uh, I suppose he dispects some of his some of his favourite players and, and mixed them in with Gary McAllister and Gordon Strachan and one or two others and, and, and went to win the league. Um so I I suppose some some frustration from Wednesday fans. It's it's funny when you look back, the, the two seasons that I, that I look at, Wilkinson could do little wrong among among Wednesday fans. Not, not everybody loved it because his tactics could be quite direct and could, be, I hate to say long ball, but you know, some, some people would have preferred a bit more passing it about. Uh, but the years afterwards, that, that team, I think, peaked in '86 and, and were on a little bit of a decline. There were no danger of relegation or anything, but they were, they were, they were mid table in the seasons afterwards. And uh, Wilkinson, Miguel, Miguel tell to me in the, in the research for the book, of, of going to see the Bert McGee, who was the chairman, and, and saying basically he needed to invest in the players if he was going to if he was going to improve. And uh, Nigel Worthington, the the Al's left back, had said to him, you know, you can you can only squeeze so much out of the orange, and you've squeezed you've squeezed mm-hmm. as much as you're going to get. Um, so so Wilkinson chose to move on, but they, but they were um, having not uh, not received any assurances of, of more money for the team. But some of the fans I think at that stage were a bit frustrated with him. So those kinda of, those kind of tactics, which could be direct, it could be a bit long ball, weren't being quite as successful in those years. So it wasn't kind of a big uproar when he when he left for Leeds, uh, but perhaps the getting Leeds promoted, getting the the first division title, winning at the new camp, uh, perhaps shows, you know, what might have been if somebody else were opened the purse strings a little bit more.
0: I read The Last Champions, Dave Simpson's book about that Leeds yeah. team and Howard yeah. actually Did Howard enjoy talking about his time at Sheffield Wednesday?
1: Al-, Al Wilkinson was a, was a, was a huge help. Like that. I was a little bit nervous of, of, of talking to him because I'd heard he could be quite, it can be quite difficult and quite short with some of his answers. And he wasn't. He, w- he was, um, he, he was very generous with his time. He, he followed up with a few queries I have got, and you know, helped me out, and pointed me in the direction of a few people. So yeah, he had, he had no problem. He was also mag- mag- magnanimous about that uh, that conversation we just had about the, the board not. Not funding him to the extent he wanted to be, he kind of he accepted in later life that you know, the the people who were in charge were also the people who had been in charge in the mid seventies when the club very nearly went to the wall. So he, he could understand how it was difficult for them to sort of gamble gamble. And they're actually like, so gambling the club's future on on a couple of a couple of star players in their and their wages. Um, and he understood that they they they'd improved the ground in that time. That the top had had a, a roof on it for the first time ever. Uh, Maybe the biggest standing area in Europe at the time. That they, that improved the pitch. That they, improved the training facilities. So he he, under, he understood, uh, but he wanted to take that that step further with his with his career. I think the line he used, the line I've used in the book was uh, was on the line that he'd still be at Hillsborough now if uh, if it would have been allowed to invest. But he but he wasn't, you know, kind of angry or upset about that.
0: Well, how? interesting that in 2022 most of the signings are freebies and loans and Darren Moore is working with like half a shoestring not even a shoestring Um, is Darren Moore's football better than Howard Wilkinson's football? (laughs) Um, Personally no Um,
1: I I, I think Howard Wilkinson's tactics are worse were and are underrated. It, it doesn't take much to, to look in the press at the time and find examples of, of people describing it as kick and rush or long ball or various um, versions of that. If you go and watch the videos back, what he tends to do is try and get the ball into the opposition half, but then they play some football. There's, there's plenty of kind of tippy-tappy around the box trying to find the way through, not just banging the ball up to Lee Chapman and opening it on for somebody to tap it in And what I, what I learned also by, by talking both with Howard and, and various players, is, is, you mentioned there what he might do for Kenny Douglas in Liverpool. He would have the team meetings every week, which would sometimes go on for an hour or an hour and a half, where he'd be talking through the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition and have some plans to go into place to particularly target what their weaknesses are and for Wednesday to defend against whatever their, their strengths were. Which I, which I thought was, was was very very forward thinking. Um, none of that is me having to go at Darren Moore's uh, tactics, by the way. No, of course. Uh, Darren Moore's very different. Even though Darren Moore often plays three at the back in the, in, a, in a similar way, he um, he passes it out from the back. Um, less of that under Wilkinson. It was was much more quickly forward and then start playing. Uh, Darren Moore's pass, 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 and then look for the way through. It's a, it's, a, it's a different style, um, different leagues as well, of course, and different time, different time periods.
0: Well. It's often said that the premier Le- premiership of the early days oh. is now equivalent to kind of League One standard because the amount of flair of the top division oh. is such that if you go in the lower leagues, people can tackle for a start. And obviously, yeah. if you yeah. if you've got Darren Moore, you will have players who know how to tackle. Um, who <laughs> yeah. is the centre back who played last weekend?
1: The author's got. Right, the author. That's them, the one I'm got got thinking them. of. Got goal, yeah. Big yeah. tall player. Yeah, that's it.
0: So you do players who can tackle. Would Sheffield Wednesday fans who grew up in the last twenty years be aware of the Howard Wilkinson team? Um, I think they they didn't win anything,
1: um, and in, and in, they came close. You know, got to quarterfinals and semifinals and fit in the league, which would have been Europe, and then tailed off. So I, I think there's a kind of slightly underrated element to it. Uh, but what the, the kind of feedback I've been having from the book are people who do remember that era, remember with absolute, you know, fondness and happiness and, and joy. They, they, it's a lot of people's favourite teams if you're old enough to remember it. Uh, but I think those who came a few years afterwards may be a bit less so it's not kind of eulogised as, you know, this is the greatest era since
0: whatever. Yeah, because I, I listened back to some of our chats over two years ago in the football library. John Dyson, you have used your football library card. Uh, to come back to talk about back in the big (laughs) time. Um, Yeah, we mentioned all the 90s stuff, and obviously the the era I know, which is Di Canio and the the early 2000s. Sheffield Wednesday have not, unlike Sheffield United, been taken over by, is it Saudi money? I
1: think there is some Saudi money with the blade, isn't there? Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: Sheffield United. So does that mean... That Sheffield Wednesday is a sort of people's club. Will it always be the club of the working class? <laughs>
1: That's a big question. I think Sheffield United would like to see themselves as the club of the working class. I world. bet. I right? bet <laughs> you know, Sheffield United Stadium, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware, is, is very central in, uh, in, in in Sheffield. What do they call it? Downtown Bramall Lane. You know, they they, they do play they do play on that a little bit, and, uh, and there is a there is a kind of, you know, Sheffield Wednesdays out in the suburbs and all your fans come in from out in the, out in the countryside. Wednesdays' when owner, or at least his family, have got lots and lots of money. Mr. Chansiri is involved with the TUC, which is the Thai Union something other, that are, in effect, John West fish food, um, tuna and salmon and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somewhere in Mr. Chansiri's family there's a, there's a lot of
0: Because in the in the nineteen eighties football was a slum sport for slum people, which it wasn't. It wasn't. But nowadays, with American, particularly Americans, but also the PIF, who have we're going to ruin football because if Newcastle don't win within five years, something's wrong with their business model. But yeah. it, it seems that football in League One, where you have Accrington, who are a club of about three and a half thousand people maximum, yeah. it is the centre of commercial and uh, they puts them on the map in the oh. way that Sheffield were put on the map by the Crucible Theatre and the Snooker and the Full Monty. Yep. Um, there are, pro- we'll, we'll use provincial again. There are local provincial clubs. Forest Green, who admittedly oh. are a political project with a small P, from oh. Dale Vince. Have you been oh. to Forest Green yet this season? Was that a home uh, game or an away game? It
1: was a home game oh. where we beat them. So um, no, I haven't been to I haven't been to Forest Green. Um, one of one of the great. Joys in a way. I don't want to be in League One forever, but one of the, one of the great joys last season was going to a few grounds I'd never been to before. So I went to the um, I went to the Johnny Rocks Stadium at Cheltenham. I'm, sure mm. I'm not sure Johnny Rocks is, but um, going down there, we played we played Mansfield in the Pizza Cup. I went down, and uh, in a way, is one is one of the joys, It's, it's not something as a a big club, I suppose, I want to do for forever, but it uh, it's been good for last season.
0: I walked past the Cheltenham Town coach because Cheltenham got trounced 6-0 by Watford ladies uh, yesterday as we speak. Oh, OK, yeah. And, yeah, of course they're going to put the girls in the coach because they only have one club coach. But, yeah, yeah the, the, the women are in the third tier and the men are in the third tier and credit yeah. to Cheltenham Town for yeah. funding a women's team. Is there yeah. a Sheffield Wednesday women's team?
1: There, there is some somewhere in the lower reaches of the, of the women's game. As, as I understand it, the club send them send them kits and a little bit of, uh, of, of, of a mention in the programme, and, that, and that's about it. Um, mm-hmm. may, maybe the Euros and the, and the growth of the women's game will see will see a bit more, but um, as, I, as I understand it, they don't, certainly have never played at Hillsborough. Um, I'm not even sure they've played at the training ground. I think.
0: Uh, well, Sheffield United are in the second tier. They're in the Championship. Yeah. This yeah, year and they doing, started quite well. And they um, have
1: played at Bramall I believe, haven't they? Was that where they
0: beat no, Coventry eight nothing? I'm not sure, but no, well yes, do. not that you know because you're a blue. Um, <laughs> the the book is back in the big time, and we hope mm. that Sheffield Wednesday get back in the big time soon. Mm. Um, so this book published by Pitch, obviously. Yeah. Um, is the second. Will there be a third? Have you got more to say about... I know you're you're helping with uh, Dick's book. Yeah, Dick's
1: Dick's is out, but um, I think probably, but I probably need a rest as well in the the meantime. Everyone says that.
0: It does take a lot out of it. It It took took me nine months to write my Youth Cup book.
1: Yes, yeah, and and this this took... uh, The the first one, talk me about that, talk me about nine months, but but I've had... All my life i suppose to to collect stuff and i have got a big pile of programs and stuff and things to things to start me going this one kind of starting from scratch took took me much longer it took took me over over two years when I started it hmm. in, uh, in 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 twenty twenty so it took me yeah two two years or so did you, uh, which is why we've only
0: got you in the library right. now in September? Mm-hmm. did you talk to everyone you wanted to talk to? The
1: majority, I and mean, the the main one, of course, is Howard Wilkinson. Once I once I talked to Howard Wilkinson, I knew I knew that the book would be would be okay. Um, well, I think it was a little easier this time, maybe because maybe because people had seen the first book, or maybe because the people I wanted to talk to were were that book, bit younger, and some of them you can find more easily on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, so most people I spoke to, um, one, or, one or two I I'd, I'd really liked, but it never quite came off. Um, Mel Sterland, who was the uh, who was the right back and one of the, one of the top players in that team, I, 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 we kept missing each other. I spoke to him, and I was on a, I was on a train to Gillingham, another place I went to last season. I was a train to Gillingham for the Wednesday fans. Come near the word, um, and that's the that's the closest we got. So the, the one, one or two I would have would have liked to, but didn't. But the majority, yes.
0: Well, as we will learn from uh, John Smith, who has written a book. Based on th- reading three hundred footballers' memoirs, Mel has actually got a book out. Yes, he has. Yes,
1: he uh, has
0: Imray Varadi got one as well?
1: No, but those two have a uh, have a YouTube channel. They, they um, they're good friends with each other, and they have a YouTube channel where they chat about their their memories. So, Im- Imray, I got a couple of kind of quotes off uh, from him, but again, not a full not a full chat with him.
0: Does this mean you are going to go on the Mel and Imray? Show to plug this book.
1: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I should ask him. Yeah, plug, plug the book. They're both on the cover, so uh, maybe I should try and plug the book. Uh, we're doing a bit of a launch at Hillsborough in a few weeks' time with some of the people who featured in. The, oh, who uh, and feature. when? Nineteenth of October. Uh, people have agreed to come. Peter Shirtley, uh, Mark Smith, Andy Blair, uh, Tony Gregory, Dick Chester—that we've mentioned. And it's ten in total, and the other names aren't coming to mind. But yeah, 10, ten or so people. I'm hoping Howard will come, but he hasn't replied to my message.
0: So uh, so it won't be a gosh. chat, so will it just be a social?
1: It's, a, it's They have a uh, like a luncheon club there, so I'm going to I'm going to do a bit of a, a, a talk and a PowerPoint, some slides, and here's what it's all about. And then everybody gets fed, and then if anybody buys a copy of the book, they can have it signed by some of the people
0: there. And indeed, the author, John, the author. John Dyson. The, the like book that. is... Back in the big time, uh, celebrating, it's 35 years-ish, uh, just over 34. God, it's almost 40 years. Does it feel like 40 yeah. years?
1: It's strange, isn't it? I'm, I'm 47 and, and uh, this, is, this is my formative time of being a, a football fan, I suppose. I first went in 1983, so it's you know, a year or so afterwards. Um, and that there is there's my there's my lifetime ago as a as a as a teenager and an adult and now a middle-aged man. There, there it is. It's a lifetime ago.
0: We we've um didn't speak uh, since Jackie Charlton passed away. Did Sheffield Wednesday mark the death of the former no. manager?
1: They marked it in the programme. They marked it on the website. They marked it in one of their games. Um, it was applause rather than silence, and a and a, a big picture and a, and a kind of montage on the big screen that
0: they got there. Yeah, it's it's the passing of an entire era. I've been saying that the Queen who, who was getting old. There's David Attenborough, Paul McCartney, yeah. Bobby Charlton. Yeah, there's certain figures of the Elizabethan era coming yeah. to the end of their time. Obviously, yeah. not for yeah. a while. But you are teaching modern history, so I I wonder if it's weird for you, and this is where we'll finish, to teach about figures, like Princess Diana, for instance, uh, who died 25 years ago, before these kids' parents may have known about her.
1: Yeah, it is. It is is strange, given my age today. I teach 1951 to 2007 are uh, are the dates, and Princess Diana also feels just about like yesterday. It certainly does when I'm teaching the Tony Blair kind of new Labour era, that, that kind of thing. But again, uh, uh, 1997, he was, uh, he was first elected, which is now, uh, never mind going back to John Major and Margaret Thatcher or anything, uh, anything prior to that. It's
0: about teaching the next generation, and it's before your era because it happened in the 1940s, but we're now the time when Holocaust survivors are in their 80s or 90s. And so it is up to us. And this is why maybe this is why I started the football library, because I realized that, yes, books are pandemic proof. But the stories told in these books and I don't think pitch have many stories left to go because they've told all the stories and I've almost spoken to everyone. It's basically David Goldblatt, Simon Cooper and Henry Winter and Paul Hayward are the only ones I haven't had in yet. And it's, it's well. been remarkable. And from yeah. the 13th interviewee who has returned to be about the 255th visit. Right. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been a long couple of years. And through that time, Sheffield Wednesday have been through several players. But through it all, Barry Bannon remains. Take, is he still on corners? <laughs> he's on corners
1: most of the time. Either him or Windass do the corners. But he's pretty much ready yeah. on corners.
0: Very good. Well, good luck this season. Um, Hopefully we'll see you at Vicarage Road next season. And that wouldn't be because Watford drop into the third tier. No, no, that's not going to happen. But I'll always look for the Wednesday results, see if Georgie Byers has scored. Um, and very best of luck for this academic year as well, which has just started. We're talking on a, a convenient day uh, because you've, you've been given an unscheduled day off today. But of course, there's no such thing as a day off for teachers.
1: No, no, funnily, funnily enough, before you rang, I was, uh, was running through my emails and putting out what I'm doing tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we don't get done off, of
0: course. Interesting. John Dyson, teacher of the Elizabethan age, <laughs> and author of yeah, two yeah. books, uh, Our Lowest Ebb and Back in the Big Time. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, no problem, Johnny. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library!